we have a responsibility to get the work to the streets. MDOT presents the Extra Mile Podcast. Highways, um, movement of goods, these are things that we rely on every day. Got to have the ability to get their product to market. As long as you're performing, we want to be behind you pushing. Welcome into another edition of the Extra Mile podcast presented by the Mississippi Department of Transportation. I'm MDOT Digital Media Manager Paul Katul, and today I'm writing solo one more time, but I promise you, Will Kraft is still on the show. He'll be back with us soon. Nonetheless, very excited today. It's not every day you get to speak uh, with a former governor, so we've got former uh, Mississippi Governor Ronnie Musgrove in studio with us today. Uh, governor Musgrove, we uh, really appreciate you making time for us today. Paul, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, sir. And so a little bit of information on Governor Musgrove. He served uh, in the governor's office from 2000 to 2004, and he's also a two-term state senator. Uh, so I would like to know kind of like a little more background on you. What kind of led you to run for governor of the state of Mississippi? So, some people would say that that's what I was called when I was in high school, but I was just always involved in civic matters. I loved government. I loved history and the things that I thought were important. Uh, so that was kind of what, what my focus was. So I've always liked that. Uh, and then as it turned out, I, I graduated from college, went to law school, and then it just kind of naturally led in back in Batesville where I, I practiced law and where I lived. I was very involved in the community, and I realized that a lot of things that happened on the federal level and on the state level affected us locally. And then I realized that, that more and more uh, things that happened here really did matter, here being Jackson. Uh, I remember running in 1987 and being elected, and when I came to the legislature in January of 1988, the starting salary for teachers in Mississippi was $13,500, no health care benefits. Now, that's not the dark ages. People can look at me and say, well, Musgrove, you look really old, but I'm not that old. And that's not that long ago. That is just one example of what had happened or had been happening in Mississippi. The other thing I realized is that when there were progressive legislators that year in 87 who felt like our highway program needed to go up a, a big notch, they passed the highway program 1987, which was a huge benefit to the people of the state of Mississippi and overrode Governor Lane's veto to do so. And so I realized that those kinds of things really did matter, and that's why I ran. Excellent, excellent. So, uh, and speaking of, you know, the highway department, uh, you kind of have a connection there as well. Your, your father worked for the department, correct? I, it did. Of course, we have gotten used to saying the trans Transportation Commission and Department of Transportation and have been doing so for a long time. But back when I was young, it was the highway department. That's what we called it. And my dad uh, worked for the highway department. And to give you an example of him and where we were back then, uh, my dad uh, in 1963 worked on the road crews of the highway department. And Mississippi and North Mississippi had about a 15-inch snow. And they were out clearing the roads. And then about a week later had another snow equally as big and he never stopped working even though he got sick and the reason he didn't stop working is because one th they had no health insurance 
Number two, if you didn't work, you didn't get paid. Mm. There was no system for how you had leave days, sick days, etc. So my dad, knowing those situations, did not stop working until he couldn't get up out of the bed, and Mr. Philip Darby, who worked with him, literally carried him out of the bed that morning because he had pneumonia, and he died about 11.30 that morning uh, with pneumonia at age 42. Uh, he loved the highway department. He loved the people he worked with, but that just goes to show you where we were at that time and what we did for people who worked for the state, even though they were valuable members of the state of Mississippi and what they did, whether it was with the highway department or any other agency of the state. It, it, and today, it, it would have been a matter if he would have taken off, gone to the doctor, hospital if necessary, and probably would have had a full recovery. But that's what, where we were at that time. So that's why I've always said things that happen in Jackson, things that happen in our state government are very important. There's no doubt about that, and thank you for sharing that that story. That's that's tough. Uh, we'll say, uh, you know, our our men and women on the roads, you know, like your dad, are the real heroes. You know, they're they're the ones that are out there putting their lives on the line. And um, we, you know, we talk about first responders a lot of times, but we fail to realize that that people who work for the Department of Transportation, especially on the roads, are in fact first responders. In so many ways, they deal with bad situations or they prevent bad situations and and that's a lot of credit that goes to them there's absolutely no no doubt about that uh moving to the future a little bit so as governor uh, you obviously you know you had to work with mdot a uh, bit and so what kind of considerations uh were made what kind of thought process went into giving mdot you know kind of what it needed to operate and keep everyone safe well i i, I believe paul i actually learned and enjoyed working with MDOT while I was in the Senate, and then when I was Lieutenant Governor. Uh, th those are the times where you really look at the programs uh, that are going on, and then you try to look at the vision for the state and where we're headed and what's needed to do that. Uh, I remember when I was Lieutenant Governor, we passed kind of the follow-up bill to the Highway Act of 1987, which again was something that was needed. When you're trying to attract companies like Nissan, when you're trying to keep companies like Sanderson Farms and others. The, the transportation, the roads, the grid that we have in Mississippi is a huge economic development uh, provider. And so it, it's important to, to understand and know that. And that's why I worked very closely with the Department of Transportation, especially when I was in the Lieutenant Governor's office because we, we interact a lot in the legislative process. Uh, of course, as you know, having three transportation commissioners, the Department of Transportation is not under the governor right. specifically, so we work kind of uh, more like equals or co-equals as, as head uh, of the various aspects of government. And, and I always had a great working relationship. I mean, I, I might have would have disagreed philosophically or politically with one of the transportation commissioners, but we always tried to look at what was best for the state of Mississippi and how did we get there. And, and in that uh, vein, I think that we accomplished that. Good stuff, good stuff. And uh, uh, we will uh, touch on one kind of more MDOT uh, transportation-related question. So I understand you actually vetoed the initial kind of contraflow um, 
legislation bill and then had them rework things. So can you tell me more about that? That's very interesting. It, it, what it really was was a, a pact that uh, uh, the southern states had and dealt with, and Louisiana has a transportation commission under the governor. And so what they did was they worked with the transportation commissioners here to come up with a contraflow pact that was to be approved by me. Well, what the Department of Transportation here does not have the ability to do is to incorporate the other agencies of government and the responsibilities that they would have. They come under the governor. In Louisiana, they all come under the governor. So for instance, the contraflow package that I vetoed did not take into consideration the highway patrol and what role they would play. It did not take into consideration the, the exits and entrances off of the, the interstates, in this instance would be Interstate 55 uh, or 59, so, so that we had no way of doing that. It did not take into consideration the National Guard, the Department of Human Services, all of those agencies that when you have a disaster have a part of that, so then as part of the pact, they know what to do. They have a role and responsibility. In our state, they had none. Louisiana had that covered. And so when I vetoed the pact, the people of Louisiana took the position I didn't want to help them out in a disaster situation. I said, not at all. And in fact, I remember when the news crews interviewed me from Louisiana, I took the brunt of a, of a lot of heat until I explained, and of course I called the governor there, and I said, let us be involved as a whole state because that's the way we operate in Mississippi. And the, of course the commissioners of transportation were glad to do so and realized that it did take all of those agencies. We put together the contraflow package. It was approved by their governor, approved by myself, and it was actually used for the first time in Katrina. And if you go back and look at the way it worked, it literally worked perfectly as it was designed to work. And I just shudder to think what would have happened had we not included all of those agencies in Mississippi so that by the time they hit the Mississippi line, it really could have been chaotic. Yeah, that's wild that it actually had to go into effect, you know, in such a close time proximity when everything went through, because, I mean, we haven't really had to deal with that much since then. That is correct. It, contraflow is something that's not used often, but when it's used, it's a bad situation, and it's very much needed. Appreciate that, and uh, we'll be right back on the Extra Mile podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm former Transportation Commissioner Dick Hall. Did you know work zone-related crashes have continued to rise over recent years? In 2020, there were more than 700 fatal crashes in work zones. One death is too many. Please do your part. Put your phone away. Slow down and pay attention to advanced warning signs. Our goal is to keep our roadside workers, the driver, and passengers safe. But we need your help to do it. Be safe and drive smart on Mississippi Highway.
So I want to kind of move on from transportation uh, specifically. So, you know, in your four years as, as governor, can you kind of hit some of the most important things, kind of uh, your greatest accomplishments? I know you mentioned education, kind of focusing on that. I have always believed that uh, if you want a better quality of life, if you want a better workforce, if you want healthier people in your state, the more educated they are, the more likely you are to achieve that. And so I always have taken the position that starting with, with education and actually pre-K uh, through college university level, the, the more and the better we can educate people, the more attractive we become to companies looking at us outside the state. We unfortunately find ourselves right now as the only state in the nation that does not have pre-K. Now, if, if you're trying to compete against the surrounding states, I'm not talking about California, Texas, New York, I'm just talking about our surrounding states. Every one of them has pre-K. South Carolina, who used to be one of our biggest competitors in terms of attracting business and industry, has probably one of the best pre-K programs in the entire South. And consequently, you look at their numbers, and the numbers show that in their educational results. I served on the board of NAEP, which is the uh, NAGBI, which is the National Assessment Governing Board that, that looks at all the tests of schools throughout the country. And you look at states and see how much they improved. So to me, the passage of the Mississippi Adequate Education Program, the new funding formula, to me was, um, I felt like uh, uh, the biggest achievement. Unfortunately, since I've left office, we haven't funded it the way we should have. And so consequently, when you don't fund it, then you fall right back into the same trap that the property-poor districts, where they don't have as much ad valorem uh, as, say, a Madison, we'll take a Madison County, for instance, when you levy a meal in Madison County, it's going to produce 4X. When you levy the same meal, say, in George County, Loosedale, it might produce 1X. So the difference in the same amount of tax levy against people in different parts of the state produce a lot different revenue. Um, and so to me, this is the way I, I describe it. I, in Knoxville County, if you had the best teachers in America teaching in Knoxville County at the time, and you had the best teachers in America teaching in Tupelo, so that without a doubt, students were getting a great education from those teachers. Knoxville County offered 74 classes in high school. Tupelo offered 140 plus. So the, the exposure to classes and options were just so far off the chart, and it was because of the inadequacy of the money that was being provided. So to me, that's, that's like the top uh, benefit to me in education. But of course, if you look, we also developed a new economic development plan. We had not had a new one in a long time. And as a result, we attracted Nissan, which I would arguably say is the biggest economic development uh, uh, project we've ever had in Mississippi. It produced over 5,300 direct jobs and over 25,000 indirect or peripheral jobs in terms of suppliers and, and others. Wow. Uh, just a tremendous uh, benefit to the state of Mississippi. But it was because we had a new economic development package geared toward what was competitive at that time. 
We just simply wasn't competitive against South Carolina, Tennessee, Alabama, but we were, and then we attracted Nissan. Uh, so those are two really big uh, scenarios. Uh, when I was in the Senate and Lieutenant Governor's office, we, we for the first time, uh, put air conditioning in all the classrooms oh. in the state. And if and if you've spent a little time this past week, <laughs> uh, you, you realize how, how big a deal that is. So so those are the kinds of things that I think were important. First state in the nation to have internet accessible computers in each classroom too. Those were things that I thought were very important. Oh wow! Yeah, did not did not know all that's. That's all very cool, very, very good stuff. Paul, you generally have to be gray-headed to know a lot of that kind of stuff because it did happen a while ago. Fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, so this is just kind of a personal interest of mine. I've always been fascinated by people who are the heads of large organizations, companies. So like, you know, the executive director here at MDOT, Brad White, he's over, you know, 2,000-plus people. And, you know, mm-hmm. you talk about companies. And you were, the, you were over the state of Mississippi. And to me, that's just massive. So how did you kind of on a day-to-day basis from a leadership's perspective and just day-to-day kind of duties and tasks and stuff, how did you make Mississippi run? Like, how do you even fathom that? Well, I believe the important thing is to set up a, or develop a vision for, for the state. What, what are you trying to accomplish? What do we want to, to be? And what direction do we want to go? And for me, those things were focus on education, focus on economic development, creation of jobs, and focus on improving health care in the state of Mississippi. And so, so if you focus kind of all your efforts toward that, and then secondly, put people in charge of your various agencies where the governor has responsibility in doing that, that share the same vision and want to make sure that the agency runs efficiently and it actually makes lives better for the people of Mississippi, then what happens is is that you start going in a great direction. And and I believe that uh, I was one of those that woke up early in the morning. I, I would wake up at 3 o'clock every morning when I was in office, and I would read from about 3 to 7 in the morning because the truth of the matter is that's the only time of the day you're going to get some quiet time for some ability to kind of think through what's going on because it comes at you so fast. And, and so, for, for instance, one of the things I, I, I would, if an agency I thought something ought to be improved, uh, I remember calling the Division of Medicaid in and, and Department of Health and, and others, and I said, you know, the Children's Health Insurance Program had been in existence for about a year and a half, and we had less than 1,000 children in Mississippi on it. I said, that doesn't make any sense to me. Explain to me the program. So we changed the program of how we went about doing that. And in a one-year time, we added over 60,000 children to the Children's Health Insurance Program. But it's just kind of finding the spots that fit into that vision that you want to go and make sure you make those things happen. Fascinating. And moral of the story, if you want to run for governor, expect not to get a lot of sleep, right? That's correct. (laughs) (laughs) Or, Or if you do... You're not expected to do much. Uh, it's really, it's the truth. Fair enough, fair enough. So, Governor Musgrove, we've, we've covered a lot of ground. I, I kind of want to know, what are you up to these days? What all is going on in, in your world? Mm, I've, I've always wanted to be a lawyer since I was eight years old, so consequently I've graduated from law school and have practiced law uh, ever since. And, and I've practiced law since I've uh, uh, left the governor's office. I certainly enjoy that. Mainly litigation, business litigation is, is what I do. Uh, but also I do some consulting, and I've done some teaching 
uh, as well, which I, I thoroughly enjoy doing, uh, and I've done so at several different universities uh, across the state. Uh, and in addition to that, most recently when the legislature uh, passed the medical marijuana, uh, or really before that when the initiative process uh, was underway, I, I became involved in it uh, because I felt like it was an opportunity for people to be helped that had debilitating medical conditions, and it was a positive economic opportunity for Mississippi. And so I, I became involved in that and am involved in it to the extent that I represent people in the industry, but also have ownership uh, in some as well. So I'm involved in, in that as well. A uh, lot of people don't realize this, but obviously my, my close friends do. Uh, my wife, uh, in the latter part of 2020, was diagnosed with leukemia. And so we spent uh, most of 2021 at Mayo Clinic in, in Rochester, Minnesota. And she unfortunately passed away uh, last September. Uh, a great lady, a great Mississippian, a person who spent most of her life uh, uh, as a public servant, uh, head of the special education in Mississippi, also the head of special education at the U.S. Department of Education, overall education, special education in the U.S. Um, and a great, great person. But, but we never know what will happen to us. But in her time of being uh, so uh, pain, painful, uh, she said medical marijuana would be something that would help me. And, and, and I, I said, you know, we'd, it's not there yet, but you're right, it would. It would be one of those situations where she would have benefited from it. Wouldn't have cured her, but would have benefited from the pain. Uh, that she had. So to me, it was one of those things that, that was a logical uh, next step to me that I thought I ought to be involved in. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that with us. And hopefully, uh, hopefully the program, you know, helps out a, a lot of people mm -hmm. for sure. Uh, so we just have uh, one more question for you. And it's uh, my co-host, Will, he's not here with the, he handles government and constituent affairs for the agency. It's his favorite question. So when you're out traveling, I know as governor, you've traveled all around the state. So where is your favorite place to get a bite to eat? That the question implies that you're on the road, right? When Traveling you, when anywhere. You're doing that. So you're right. Uh, I'm I'm probably going to hurt the, the feelings of a lot of people across the state because <laughs> there's so many great places, and I know that, and they know it. But probably my favorite place would be Roses, just south of Hattiesburg on oh. 40, 49. Uh, we've stopped there many times, and some of my friends always liked it, and they would meet us there. And so I would get the benefit of one having some great barbecue, but also having some uh, some time with with good friends. There you go. We're adding it to the list. We, me and Will, have a list of places we're okay. going to hit. So, th so thank you for that answer. Some people try to dodge it, but uh, <laughs> but we always love when we well, get a, a well, direct I, answer. At least wanted to give a conditional <laughs> statement <laughs> because there are, you know, there, oh, there yeah. are a bunch of great restaurants, and and I I, I will leave here. Uh, you know, Justice Thurgood Marshall used to always say when he was a lawyer. The best closing argument he's ever given is when he was in the car leaving the courthouse on the way home, thinking about what all he could have said, should have said, and didn't say. Uh, so I could probably say the same thing about that answer. There you go. Well, Governor Musgrove, thank you for uh, joining us today. Lots of great information, history, and, and anecdotes. So we really appreciate it, sir. Thank you very much, Paul. It's a pleasure to be with you. Yes, sir. And so we'll just go ahead and wrap things up like we usually do. Uh, we want to thank all our listeners out there for tuning into the Extra Mile podcast. 
Uh, we also want to thank our producer, Katie Hornsby, uh, our editor, Drew Hall. Remember, you can listen and watch each episode by visiting goemdot.com forward slash the extra mile. Of course, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Mississippi DOT is the handle. We've got a lot to update you uh, every day and uh, we'll close things out. As always, remember to drive smart out there on Mississippi highways. Mm-hmm.